Blog Talk Radio. Joni, how are you? 
Good. Well, we've uh, we're waiting for you. The I guess you don't have the call in number. Can I give you that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Three four seven. Wait, 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 wait. Get my pencil. Yes. Three four seven. Nine nine six. Nine nine six. Three nine zero three. Okay. Uh, three four seven nine nine six three nine zero three. Great. We'll hear you in a second. Okay. Thanks. Bye. Right. No, Enzo. Enzo, what's the matter with you? Hey, hey, because you're going to get all the attention. And
Uh, yeah. Let's, oh, no, no. You know, I was trying to get a beach one. Let's see if we get the one about the beach. Yeah, that, that, that one's not going to make anyone happy, the one you're playing no. now. <laughs> and so it's all about Here the Here we now. go. Springs are coming. Yeah. Very good. Oh, that's funny. 
That's a storytelling So we're giving you in Ohio a little uh, of our eastern uh, north north country humor, but. Joni, tell us a little bit. You, you, you tell us. Just, it's fascinating, your life. How did you start out? Where did you start out? Where did you go? And With music? No, um, with your folks. Yeah, of course oh, with music. Oh, with but it <laughs> happened because you, you traveled far, or you were far, and you came far. I did. Well, I, I have to admit, um, I think I inherited my father's rambling genes. Um uh, my my father loved to travel um you know it was before the era of gas shortages oil problems and global uh weather weirding global climate change whatever and you know so he his you know what he loved to do was just get in the car and roam and um he also liked to move around a lot so i was born in seattle and when i was Five, we moved to New Hampshire and then to oh, Bedford, wow. Massachusetts. So I actually have really? a northeastern era era to my life. Yes, <laughs> um, but my that makes you my a better person. I think it makes me a better person. <laughs> Having lived in the Northeast, I agree. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> but yes, my my experience of the northeastern um, <clears throat> regionality. Was you know I arrived I arrived in in the Northeast I arrived in Bedford Massachusetts um, oh. when I was going into second grade and the wow. first day of school the teacher asked um, for volunteers to read some sentence from this you know second grade reader and. I raised my hand, and I think the sentence, I know the sentence contained the word roof, because when I read it, the entire class burst out laughing, and I couldn't figure out why. And they all said, you said it wrong. It's rough. And at that moment in my seven-year-old life, I swore I would never get a northeastern accent. So, but I did live in Bedford until I was 15, so I had the chance to get that out. But, um, close to the ocean, it's just a night. What's That's that? That's a great, great story. You're right because it's rough, and uh, and you know, Midwesterners always make fun of of Bostonians in a, in the Northeast here for our, our accent, and yet. You will say insurance as 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 opposed to insurance. Right. Well, see, I have no clue about the Ohio accent either because, you know, I was born in Seattle. So I I, I didn't. I mean, and I was five when we left Seattle. I didn't know people had accents. I mean, you know, what did I know? I was five, you know. So so I just talked the way I talked. I'm going to interject something. Since you said... Your father was a rambling man. We have to do this, right, Denzo? <laughs> you know what's coming next. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> Yeehaw! <laughs> hey, this guy is good. <laughs> I'm a rambling guy. Well, I'm rambling, rambling, rambling. I'm a rambling guy. <laughs> I just had to sing that song. 
And um, I really wanted to go there. I just had my sights set on that. And um, (laughs) the principal was this crazy old man, crazy, wonderful. He looked like Einstein. He had the same kind of hair. (laughs) And um, his name was David Hillman. And I made, you know, appointments. My aunt had to come with me. I made this appointment to go meet him. And I made it for one Friday, and she took off from work, and we got there, and he wasn't there. And the secretary apologized and said, oh, come next Friday. So we came the next Friday, and he wasn't there. And, of course, each of these days my aunt is taking off time from work, so she's not thrilled. And second time he wasn't there, and the secretary said, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, just come back next week, he'll be here, I promise. And my aunt, you know, is shaking the finger at me. And I was like, please, I uh, I don't want to go to the academic school, I want to go to the music school. So we go back the third time, and he's there. And he and I start to talk, and he says to me, well, I'd love to have you here, but I think you might be a little too smart. And I was like, what do you mean too smart? How is that possible? <laughs> and he said, he said, well, you know, everybody here is just a musician. Oh, boy. Musicians are smart. What are you talking about? And so he and I had this little argument back and forth, and he finally says to me, you'll do fine here. You know how to argue. (laughs) I don't know. He was just giving me a hard time. But anyway, so, yeah, so I, at the end of my junior year, when I was supposed to come back and finish off and be a good senior at Bedford High, um, I just wanted to stay. I wanted to do music. I wanted to... The weather was great. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Jerusalem winters beat Bedford winters. <laughs> yes, yes. Almost anything it does. <laughs> <laughs> so that you know, so that was it. I ended up staying in Israel. Um, I didn't end up doing a lot with my music for a number of years because I felt like the only thing I wanted to study was music, and I wasn't really good. I thought. Oh. So well, listen, I didn't know, think I was before, good enough let's, let's to continue, go study music. Let's continue music. that story after we hear another song. I think this will <laughs> show us how far you've come. Here we go. Let's try this. <laughs> Leaves blowing round in the autumn wind. You, you know, I'm looking for the beach. Oh, here we go. I think I finally <laughs> you found keep getting sound like an obese <laughs> we gotta have the beach. What are we doing in the autumn? Like it. 
got to get out of these thoughts. So now you said you weren't. This is this is very important things because one of the things we like to do on this show is tell all of the kids to follow their passion, follow their dream. Don't worry about exactly. whether they're good or not. And so this well, is important. Well, and what does that mean anyway? What does that mean? Exactly. You know, so, so truthfully, you know, what was I studying at the Rubin Academy of Music in Jerusalem? I was studying classical music. And ah. it's true. I could not play Beethoven as well as Ludwig. It's true. <laughs> I couldn't. He played it. Well, we don't actually know how he played it. But, you know, my assumption was, he played it a whole lot better than me, which mm-hmm. was my judgment at the ripe old age of 17, 18, you know, was that if I couldn't play this the way everybody else played it, then I wasn't good. And that's wow. not... So your mind. Uh, I'm so glad. Well, that's, you know, that's not anything. That's not the way you... Um, you well, I don't think any way you should be judging talent, period. Um, anybody. Exactly. I don't... So, and the reason um, is, if, if I can say this, the reason is, is everybody's got their own voice. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, I think part of the process for everybody is when you're learning music, you're generally copying. You know, you're generally learning what you've heard on the radio, what you've heard people play. You're generally copying in the fir- early years. And, you know, and then it takes some time to find your own voice. Um, That's right. But if that's your passion, you just keep on going until you find that voice. And you will. You will. That is exactly what we want them to hear. You stay with it. You stay with it because that voice has to do all those experiment with all those other things that you think, oh, that person's good, and in my case, oh, that person's funny, or that person. I mean, you know, I I read uh, Keith Richards' book, Life, and he and and, uh, they all sat down and for – well, actually, they were pretty. <laughs> they were they were proud. They were pretty out and, there. I read that. Yeah, book. <laughs> but they they memorized through through right. sound. They memorized all of Chuck Berry and all of the great blues, and they went right to the roots. And boy, when they mastered that, then they took it to their level. Right, right. Because it's like they learned those building blocks, and right. um, you know, and they saw them as building blocks rather than as the final goal, you know. And so yeah. what happens in music a lot is it takes, you know, people think, well, i got to sound like this. That's my final goal. And that's not. That's just part of the part of the path or part of the, I don't know, highway. Right. <laughs> it's, exactly. It's not the final destination. Because what, we're really, what you should really be looking for is that voice inside because that's going right. to come out. That's the real you. Right. Exactly. And nobody else can do it like you, correct? Right, exactly. Now, that okay. song you just played was actually written on Cape Cod. My goodness, all these Northeastern connections. Everything <laughs> <laughs> you came here, we'd have no songs. I know. <laughs> That's true. Um, so when we had moved back from Israel, I, in Israel I got married, I had two children, and in 1998, we moved back to the States, and we ended up moving to Ohio because my husband got a job here. And um, I had never been to Ohio. He, you know, I, was, I stayed in Israel with the kids, and he was doing these different job searches and interviews, and he calls me from Ohio and, 
And he says, well, I, you know, I've got this job offer. And he had had, he was a teacher in Israel. He taught English as a foreign language, and he taught adventure programs, kind of based on Project Adventure, which is also a Northeastern thing, I think, based in Vermont. Um, and uh, so he had all these great um, job offers from schools all over the place, but um they, well, you know, just to be kind of crass, they couldn't pay enough for us to actually buy plane tickets to leave Israel, <laughs> let alone live for a year. So we couldn't do that. And that was what, you know, that was his passion. That was what he really wanted to do. But he ended up getting this high-tech job in Columbus. And so he says, you know, so I'm here in Columbus. I've got this job offer. It looks like the place to go. And so I, I'm like, oh, okay, Columbus, Ohio, you know, and I'm sitting sitting in my back porch in Karkur, Israel, and I'm like, where is Ohio? I don't even know where Ohio is, you know. So I pull out an atlas, and I open up to the map of America, you know, and I'm looking at it, and it's like, well, you know, geographically it's not too far from the East Coast. <laughs> and about that time, my brother calls. My brother from California calls, and I said, well, you know, my husband's got this job offer in Columbus, Ohio. It, it's not too far from the East Coast. And my brother just cracks up, and he goes, oh, yes, it is. <laughs> not only geographically, but light yes. years in terms of culture. Yes. <laughs> He's like, there ain't nothing East Coast about Columbus, Ohio. Well, you know, I, and I hope I'm going to find the right song this time. This, well, we just did The Beach. And oh, of course, let me tell it, you the story about The Beach. Let me tell oh, you that story about that song. So my children, you know, they were born in Israel, and they grew up um, going to the Mediterranean Ocean, which is warm and relaxing, <laughs> oh, so refreshing. So we go, I don't remember what year it was. It was a couple of years after we'd moved back, and we're meeting friends of mine from Concord, and we're going to go to Cape Cod. So we go to Cape Cod, and I remember being on Cape Cod as a kid and loving Cape Cod. And, but we didn't know this thing about the outside beaches and the inside Oh. It's different. So, it's different, right? <laughs> yeah. So this is the first time my kids have been in the ocean since being in Israel, and they can't wait, you know. And we're walking, and we're walking, and we're walking, and it's hot, and we're walking, and we come up over this crest of the sand dune. And suddenly the temperature is entirely different. It's like it's mm. dropped by 20 degrees. And we're like, oh, that feels good. And my kids, they just take off running down this sand dune <laughs> into the water. And they just dive into the water. And then both of them come up. And they look at us. <laughs> and my son goes, what's wrong with this water? It's cold. <laughs> they come out there on the blue. Uh, oh. So that's where that song came from. Oh, Temperature great. today in, in the Portland that's Harbor, in the, on the water, 42 degrees. Oh. That's well, let's, see if we can, nice. let's see if we can find that summer song. Right. <laughs> we needed it. Okay. Here we go. Okay. Here no, we go. that's not it. it. No, I didn't do that. We're gonna hang on one more. <laughs> We're having the, the, the technical problems, huh? 
is 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 that this one is is this still the beach? Oh, this is summer. No, that's right? the one you're looking yep. for. That's the one you're looking okay. for. for the water as I do. <laughs> yes, you got that. <laughs> I do, and, and we're kind of landlocked here in Columbus, yeah, Ohio. <laughs> kind of. So, yes, that was, that was written on a, on a hot summer day when I was, oh, if I was only in Israel, I could just get in the car and go to the beach. <laughs> yes. Now, where did you, where was the turning point? influence you? I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Maestro. What was that? The the music in Israel did did it uh, influence your music? You think? Yeah, yeah, it did. Yeah. I mean, not so much. These are, you know, what what we're hearing here are kids' songs, and so hmm. the kids' songs um, that I write in English are definitely more reminiscent of American folk songs. Hmm. Um, Israeli music, modern Israeli music is more jazz based I mean the, you huh. don't have the three chord with the minor you have very elaborate chord structures so the, that comes out more in my music aimed at o- older audiences mm. I mean when I'm writing for children I'm writing something um, more direct more danceable more playable um, but well, so the music cool. I re- yeah so the music I write for older audiences i never know what to you know it's not adult music it's not oh. x-rated i mean i never know how to term it i so. know uh, yeah we, exactly and it's how we say that so wonderful so now when you so where did you finally find and when did you find the voice oh well this is interesting actually when i was pregnant with my first child i suddenly just started writing and writing and uh. writing um, you know, it was like my kids were my muse. Um, and, you know, so I just, that's, 
it was like years of I had still been playing. I mean, I you know, I was teaching piano, but I wasn't writing until um it was like I started writing for her and you know, so I just while I was pregnant with her, I just wrote all these different songs. A lot of lullabies. <laughs> the oh, early years nice. of having having my own children, I wrote a lot of lullabies. Um and in fact, my son, before he talked, he sang, and wow. he he, um, he actually started speaking very late. And you know, the the doctor was saying, "Well, maybe he can't hear." And I said, "Oh no, he can hear because he can sing." Um, and he, you know, he would sing me the lullaby that I would <laughs> sing to him. So it's like, no, his hearing's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, that's one of the things I'm glad you... Go ahead, Enzo. We've heard a similar story about other writers who who say the same thing about their their first uh, child uh, influencing uh, their music and uh, and, uh, getting them really writing a kid's stuff. It's a funny... uh, It's the same story we've heard it before. Isn't that right, Tomasa? Yeah, see, see. And that's why we... There's a segment of the show, always we talk about writing and how important that is. And, And when... That's when the muse really comes your way, doesn't it? I think so. I think so. I mean, I think it's, you know, it's it's always, there's incredible music all around us all the time that other people have created. And, I mean, I, it's not like I don't do other people's music in my shows. I do. But, um, yeah, but it's not, it's not the same as when you write your own stuff. And, you know, I know a lot of people say, oh, I can't write. And and maybe that's true. I mean, maybe not everybody needs to write. Maybe everybody's got their own different thing. I mean, I I don't know that. But but I kind of suspect we could all do writing. <laughs> yeah, that's what, you know, I swear, absolutely. There's no reason for everybody not to pick up a pen or a paper or a pencil and start. Just write down your thoughts. Of course everybody can write. It does and just like you started off the show, you don't have to be Shakespeare. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, and everybody's got a story to tell. Right. And that I think and, is the point is everybody has a story to tell and I think people need to recognize their own stories, you know? That's um, right. And that they have value. Right. Exactly. Exactly. You know. You know, when you, I think, you know, I, I didn't, we haven't talked about this so much in the last shows, but um, in fact, we have, <laughs> on perfect timing, we have an actual author who just Yay! joined us. Yay. Well, let's give a warm welcome all the way from <laughs> Pennsylvania, not too far from Ohio. Right. Uh, Rhonda Pavlia. Do I say Rhonda? It's like a pantaloni. It's like a pantaloni. And you couldn't have come in at a better time, Rhonda. Rhonda just wrote a fantastic book. Oh, Actually, she's written three books that I have right here. And tell us the title of your your last book, Rhonda. Okay, the the current title. And thank you so much, first of all, for having me on the show. And Joni, I have enjoyed your guitar music uh, before we start. And um, oh, thank you. I uh, I played the guitar when I was um, in college, and I even used the guitar when I taught school. I helped the kids learn how to read using the guitar and singing songs. So yeah, yeah, just a very exciting thing. Um, Tom, my first or my current story is called Three Little Gnomes and a Boy Named Orion. 
And I wrote this story originally for my grandson in 2009. Um, It's kind of a funny little story, but uh, this is an updated version. And um, it's it's a darling little story about these three little gnomes that live in Granny and Papa's garden. And and one day they discover they, they never had names. Nobody ever named them. And so they search around the garden and they look, you know, ask for help. And nobody helps them. And then there's a little boy named Orion who comes to visit the uh, Grammy and Papa, and they said, "Well, maybe he could help them." So, so the story is about the about nature and gardens and gnomes and things that they do, how they work in the gardens, and and the and the illustrations are absolutely gorgeous by my friend Ratna, uh, who lives in Indonesia. And so we're just delighted to be able to share this with you today. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, Rhonda, is this book already in libraries? The book is on Amazon, and uh, it is in our current library here. It's just brand new, so I haven't gotten it out into other libraries yet. um, Okay, but we can get it on Amazon. You sure can. Okay, uh, cool. And, you know, all uh, all uh, my schools are doing garden theme these weeks, so this sounds like perfect. I can bring this in. Perfect. It is perfect because all of these little gnomes have jobs in the garden. They're they're okay. not silly little trick, trickster gnomes. These are very helpful garden gnomes. And uh, one one takes care of the baby plants and the little new little sprouts. I heard you talking about sprouts earlier. One takes care of pulling the weeds and that kind of thing because he knows, especially the dandelions in the garden, because he knows Granny doesn't like um like the dandelions. And the other one. He he helps repair things, but in this particular story, we don't see any of that part of his job. But he's also the um, he's sort of the security guard in the garden. And then when Grammy and Papa or somebody comes out to the garden, he yells to everybody to get back in their places so they get back in their scratchy places so that <laughs> Grammy and Papa and anybody else doesn't see that you know they're really moving around and working. Uh-huh. So. It's kind of fun. So they, they, there's some um, garden characters, um, Mrs. Ladybug and Little Wormy, and then um, they especially like to go visit Mr. Uh, Joe's farm, and uh, there's a special recipe for drop-in time stew because drop-in time is when the uh, all the, the vegetables and the things like that drop off the vines, and then they go collect them at night, and their their very favorite recipe is drop-in time stew. So there's a recipe in the back for the gnomes dropping time to do as well. Oh, yummy. Okay. <laughs> you know, I think we have succeeded. I think we have, I hope we have a call all the way from Indonesia. It says uh, it says oh. here Facebook. But do we have you, Ratna? Are you there? Hi, everybody. Oh, hi. <laughs> hi. Give her a big round of applause. She did it. Yay. All the way from Welcome to Beantown, Ratna. Hi, Tom. Thank you. Good morning, all of you. So, Ratna, how, what's the time difference? What time is it there? Uh, we, we are here in Indonesia, 12, uh, 12 hours ahead from you there. So we are night here. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, 12 hours ahead, exactly. So uh, right now it is 10.43 a.m. here, and you're 10.43 at night. We're keeping you up late. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, Rhonda, why don't you tell us a little bit um, 
about how you and I think, first of all, everybody's got fantastic stories, and this is why I think everybody can write. And when you do write, you're going to find magical things happen. And that's what happened when you started writing. Actually, you got you had been writing for years, Rhonda, and then a miracle happened for you. You want to talk yeah. about that a little bit? Oh, are you talking about the little land story? Yes. Yes, that one? Okay, sure. Um, yes. Well, when my children, I have three children. I'm a grandmother and I have five grandchildren. When my kids were little, we used to write stories together. And it, and it really helped them <clears throat> me, to, learn, to learn how to read. And then as a teacher, all of my students uh, wrote stories and illustrated them. And now that I have grandchildren, I've been writing uh, stories for them as well. Um, but I never published anything. And I had... Uh, you know, I had a taught first grade. Um, that was my first teaching assignment. And when the Sandy Hook uh, tragedy happened, I was praying for those dear little children and their heroic teachers because I knew the age level. As a teacher, I had practiced lockdown drills in my school with my students. It's where, you know, you'll hide the kids and turn out the lights and just, you know, you just you practice that to prepare for Hopefully, no incidents that will happen, but it's, it's a precautionary, uh, act, you know, um, activity. And so when the tragedy happened at Sandy Hook, I knew exactly what those teachers would have done to try to protect those children. And I was praying for the children and for the families and for Sandy Hook and for Newtown and for all of us, for the whole world, because it affected everybody all over the world. And I was given this children's story. I was given the story from start to finish. Um, I never, I didn't know what to do with it because, you know, you you have a tragedy like that and you just don't want to interfere. I had, Tom and I talked about voices. I had one voice on one shoulder that said, you know, you shouldn't get yourself involved. The other voice said, I gave you this story, you're to write it. And I felt that that, you know. And so that's what I did. And um, I wrote the story and illustrated it. And I couldn't complete all the illustrations, and so um, I think we're going to have another visitor. It's Taylor Galaska. He was 14 years old, and Taylor had been so affected by what happened at Sandy Hook that he designed T-shirts. And Taylor and I uh, got connected through his mom, and Taylor, at 14, an eighth-grade student, helped me complete the illustrations for uh, the book that became The Little Lambs and the Very Special Mission. So this particular book um, is now published. It's also available on Amazon. But I give all the profits uh, for the sale of this book to, it's called the Angels in Charge Scholarship Award. And it goes to students from the Newtown High School who are planning a career in education. So because I was a teacher and in honor of the teachers, the, um, all, the, all the profits and proceeds go to that scholarship. So... Last year, last May, I had sold enough copies of this little book I was able to give $2,500 away to the scholarship. Uh, Rachel Devano was the name of the recipient. Wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Rachel studied elementary education, and then I have another $2,500 to give away this year again, and I'm not sure I haven't received uh, the names of the re- name or names of the recipients, they may divide it in two. I'm not sure yet. But anyway, so that's, that's where my publishing came out of, of this particular story. 
<laughs> we have to give you a raw on that. Oh, thank you. And, thank you. And since then, um, I've been doing some other little stories. I have a whole bunch, but um, but I've only published three. So <laughs> we'll see what happens. That's great. And then tell so us when you how you met how you met Ratna. Um, I I rewrote the little gnome story that I wrote in 2009. And it was just really charming, and um, I thought I had an illustrator, but the illustrator turned me down, so um, changed his mind, I should say. didn't turn, changed his mind, and so I had this beautiful little story. And so I found children's illustrators online. There's a whole group of them, and I put out a message, and Ratna replied, and I looked at her work, and I said, oh, my gosh, her colors are so soft. It, you know, that the little illustrations that she made would be perfect. So we communicated back and forth for a little bit. And uh, she gave me a couple little samples. I was like, oh, my gosh, it's perfect. She was just perfect. And we had a blast, didn't we, Rodna? We had such a good time. Thank you. You know, the thing that caught my eye, I was, uh, I'm new to the Internet, but I, I'm starting to really get passionate about it because just of what's happening today is that we have somebody from Indonesia on the line, we have somebody from Pennsylvania, Ohio, and we're in the Northeast. So, um, but what caught my eye was the illustrations. They're absolutely spectacular. I mean, just classical, and they're inviting, they're endearing, they're soft. You have all of those things. Ratna, that, obviously your voice can't, comes out in your illustrations. Tom, you're so kind. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to talk about that, how you feel and how you get, get express that through your illustrations? Uh, well, for every story, I try to let uh, let myself in into the story. So from the from the story, I feel like I stay and live together with these gnomes in that beautiful garden. So I can feel what they feel, and I can imagine what 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 uh what are they doing there. So just I just draw flowing from my heart and my mind and my hands then finally now that it's like I look at the eyes and that's all <laughs> I think we're getting a little Skypish there with that with always Skype is always interesting little noises it picks up on the internet. But we heard about the feelings part. Uh, Rhonda, why don't you, you know, explain how you guys were able to, you were able to think of what you wanted, and then um, Ratna was able to, sh- to show you. Well, it was interesting because um, I had, like I said, I had written the original story in 2009, and I had taken some pictures and did a little artwork, but I didn't show Ratna anything because I really feel that I, I wanted to see what came through her eyes and her fingertips and her art uh, in order to express the story. So she basically got the text of the story. And then um, we, we would communicate a little, uh, little bit uh, if there were any little tweaks or a little bit of changes that you know, she, wanted, she wanted to make. It was really funny. We have a funny joke between us. Um, we, she, she drew this beautiful garden that's in, that's in the story, and I looked at the flowers that she put in the garden. I thought, oh, my gosh, those are dandelions. You can't put dandelions in the story. <laughs> in the 
because Absolutely. those are weeds. So I do not know how, you know, I, I don't know what the, the culture is like over there. I didn't want it to be impolite or be politically incorrect about dandelions. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I had to explain to her that in this country, dandelions in a, in a flower garden are, are considered weeds. And um, so she had made, I said, but you know what, you could have one of the little gnomes cleaning out the dandelions and then so that's what she did so the one little dandelion one little gnome is pulling at the dandelions so we adapted the story and then she changed the flowers in the garden so there were just little tweaks here and there and what what is really amazing is the little boy around represents my grandson and she said well what does he look like and I said well just give him blonde hair and blue eyes little thin about six years old outside wearing shorts bare feet she drew this charming, darling little character of this little boy, and I just sent her the original picture of him. It, it, the original picture had the same blue coat, the same, the, a similar little cape that he was wearing just flying around the yard, and um, she had never seen it until just like this week. So wow. I felt Ratna could see through my eyes what I was seeing and feeling, she's very, very sensitive, and um, and she was wonderful to work with. Just amazing. I just love yes, her. Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's time to give out all of the uh, websites. Joni, why don't you start with yours so that people can find you? Oh, mine's easy. It's com. so it's J-O-A-N-I-E-C-A-L-E-M.com. Right, and uh, is, and that's the best way to to come and see what you do. Um, yeah, or Facebook. I mean, Facebook is obviously where I update. I'm really bad about updating my schedule on on my computer. Um, <laughs> I mean, on yeah. on my website. Um, so Facebook is more how you know you can kind of keep on top of um, what I'm doing. Um, the one thing I do want to put out there is um, I've just put out my first adult CD. Again, you know, what is adult? But um, this is a CD called But First Do No Harm. And it's directed towards parents, family members, teachers, therapists of children who are different. Um, and, you know, how do we embrace and include everyone in our world rather than just the ones that fit the typical the development. Yeah. Right, exactly. Wonderful. Um, well, as so you know, I, as a, as a, at the age of 13, I say this every show, but we have new guests, so just to, at the age of 13 I had a disease, uh, cancer called osteosarcoma, which only 5% survived at the time. And in wow. order to survive, they, I had to have my left leg amputated. And so I know all about that. And, wow. uh, you know, I could talk for for days about, uh, yeah, absolutely. And I think where, you know, people would say to me throughout life that, well, you know, that person's in your life to teach you something. And I would always reverse it and say, no, I think I'm here to teach them something. <laughs> so, right. Oh, absolutely. And, and uh so yeah, so that it's that's great that this awareness is is coming about, and that you guys are. Yeah, and you see, you know, you're writing that through music, and and uh, 
Ratna and, and Rhonda are doing what they're doing with their social causes and pushing it through right. writing and illustration. And not only do we want the kids to, I think any time you put any instrument to paper, whether it's a paintbrush or, or a writing or a pen or whatever, that's your chance to express to the world what you have inside. Yep. So what do you think, Enzo? I think I'd like to know how, how warm it is in Indonesia right now. Sorry? <laughs> yeah, how, how warm is it there, Ratna? Oh, it's 84.2 now, right now. Oh! <laughs> oh. You can't see air conditioner. Yeah, and you oh, live about 15 minutes from the beach, you told me. Yes, <laughs> and your water is not cold, is it, ever? Yeah, it's warm. It, it's <laughs> Can you describe for us, Ratna, what you're looking at out your window, what kind of trees? Well, we have a lot of trees uh, uh, all year long uh, here in Queen because uh, we have no, uh, like, winter or something. We only have dry season and wet season. So when dry, maybe you can see around a little bit dusty because of, of the dry soil. When it's rainy season, uh, you know, Jakarta, they often flood, flood around. Sometimes they flood around my house, too. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like that. <laughs> and what kind of fruit do you have near you? We have many, many uh, tropical fruit. Have you ever heard about salak? Mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. what's that? <laughs> it shapes um, like, uh, what's that? It almost look like a cone like that, brown, dark brown, inside of the sea. And we have uh, other fruit. It's called rambutan. That means like hair fruit, hairy fruit. Oh. Because our skin has a soft hair around, a little bit long, the hair. Around maybe one centimeter. It's hair that length. Wow. Wow. Well, that's very hairy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know. Hairy fruit. Wonderful. <laughs> hey, hey! Oh, look at this! Uh, we do have some magic happening, uh, Rhonda. Um, yes. Your uh, yes, we have somebody else from Pennsylvania. Maybe you can give him the introduction. Is this Taylor? Is this Taylor Galaxy? Taylor. Yes, it is. Hi, hey, Taylor. Taylor. Hello. Welcome to Bean Town. Here we go. Let me uh, give you a proper re- reception. Taylor, you're the uh, you're the illustrator for um, the book of about the angels, the little lambs, yes, and the very special mission. Yeah, yeah, I co-illustrated with uh, Rhonda Paglia back in December, January time. Wonderful, and you know, for, for you to do, how's it feel to have a book published with your illustrations? That the, how old were you when you did that? Fourteen. I was fourteen. Yeah. Wow. It how feels that feel? amazing. It feels amazing. It feels, it's just it's so exciting, and all these different events that we do, and all these different things around the valley here in Pennsylvania. It's just exciting. 
Wow. And That's not terrific. only that, he, he is actually registered with the Library of Congress now. Oh, as a, really? As an illustrator, yes. How about that? Wow. That, that, what do you think, Enzo? That deserves a hand, right? That's a, that's a, that's a big deal. Yeah, it is a big deal. So, so Taylor, tell us how you, um, at such a young age, decided to, uh, to to express yourself, find your voice. Well, uh, I always have loved to draw since I was little, and, you know, my parents could draw pretty well, so I think that's where I got most of the talent, but... <laughs> I never really did a whole lot of public stuff, so a lot of people really didn't know the talent I had until Rhonda had come to order a T-shirt because I did these T-shirt fundraisers after the Sandy Hook tragedy, and she wanted to order a T-shirt, and, you know, she talked to my mom and talked about the book, and I had never met Rhonda before. I didn't even know who she was or, you know, what she looked like. (laughs) So we met where I went school, you know, when I was in middle school, and, you know, she showed me what she had, and I said, well, I think I can do that right away. Nice. Confidence. It was really it was really amazing. I mean, how many teenage kids would, first of all, be willing to meet this grandmother, and <laughs> secondly, and secondly, be willing to immediately say yes to a project, but there was no hesitation in Taylor's voice. He's a remarkable young man. And he drew all the angels in the little lambs on the very special mission. He drew the great shepherd. And then more importantly, he drew the hands of God um, because I could not draw any of those. And his illustrations were perfect. And it just, it, it, it's, it's like a, it's an intergenerational project that became. So I've got an international project with Ratna, which I am so delighted about. And, and I have an intergenerational project with Taylor. Yeah, that, oh, that's, that's great. Nice. What connections? So, so Taylor, who who were your inspirations in art? Who were your favorite artists? I don't know. I really don't have a, a, a favorite. I do like more like classical and you know, you know, medieval kind. But I mean, I I like anyone. Frank Lloyd Wright, you know, the architect. I, he, you know, I like his work. And you know, I don't know. I just kind of wing it. <laughs> well, you know, you say, you say medieval, and I'm looking at your stuff, and I'm thinking Bruegel. Do you know who he is? No. Oh, okay. oh well, yeah. Yeah, and Bosque. Do you know who he is, Bosque? I might have heard of him. Look, I might have heard of him. Yeah. yeah, you should look them up, because what you do naturally kind of... What do you think, Rhonda? I'm sorry. I, I couldn't hear the names. Tell me them again. Bruegel, Bruegel, and Bosque. Both medieval the... artists. They're the ones that do all those little tiny creatures, and uh, I notice it's very busy, and there's parts of uh, Taylor's work that remind me of that. I'll have to check those, too. I had, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, um. well, fascinating. So uh, we forgot to ask you, Joni, who, are your, uh, who influenced you? What artists? Uh, well, I mean, certainly not, not my artists, early... Yeah, voice artists. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, certainly my early years were Pete Seeger and the Weavers and Woody Guthrie and Joan Baez and Joni Mitchell, you know, just for namesake. Oh, my God. Um, the goddess. The goddess. <laughs> right. But then, you know, then I spent all these years overseas. So then there were all these other sounds, I mean, just Middle Eastern music and 
um, Egyptian music and Syrian music and, you know, straight ahead Israeli music. So I don't know anymore, like, what right, it is right. that I'm actually channeling. Um, I mean, I know my, my my husband was just saying to me yesterday that um, it, it might be kind of hard for people to connect to my music because um, it is not straight-ahead folk music um, in an American manner. It's, you know, it's got well, all these other good. influences. That's right. That's I, think so. I think so. <laughs> I'm not well, sad listen, about that. <laughs> talking about all these stories and all these illustrations, is it okay if we uh, take a little trip down to... And we're talking about school and children. Why don't we take a, can we take a little trip to Beantown and see what's going on there? All right, I, well, yeah. Great. I now, Bucky love and it. Betty. Bucky and yeah, Betty. Yeah, I want to uh, hear these guys. Uh, well, yeah, there's a, there's a little problem in Beantown. Socrates, the school bus, is missing. So let's oh, no. see what... Uh, yeah. So let's well, see boys and girls, big goings-on in Beantown tonight. Bucky and Betty are on their way to Succotash Swamp. To save Socrates, the school bus. Let's listen in and see what happens. Well, Betty, here we are. Yeah. Well, this is gonna. This is not. Are you up for this? Are we gonna be able yeah. to do this? I'm real. I'm up for it, but I'm a little nervous. Well, but Socrates means a lot to me. Well, yeah, because he's the school bus, and he means a lot to everybody. And you know, this is very serious because you know we were at the garage today, and you know, boss took the call to go get him. But by the time we got there, you know, Rex always listens on our radio, and, and he he and Vane and Muncher, they put their terror the tow truck on him, and they dragged him to his. His yard, and I'm really nervous because you know what they do. You yeah, know. Rex does those calls all the time, and he gets he gets there before you get there, and and he takes them into a different. They're probably well, he's here. He's got them over here, and he cuts them up for scrap that's the metal. That's, that's what, what I'm worried about. Yeah, and that, that that could be what they're doing to Socrates right now. I know. Well, you know that's why we got to come to his oh. rescue because yes, poor like, Socrates. I will. I think it'll be all right. Okay? I, I think it's okay. It could you, be cut up right well, now. Well, I know, but listen, we got to get. Off. It might be too late. Daddy, calm down. Just calm down, no. all right? We got to. We'll just walk real quiet through the woods here. We should have just. We uh, we, we got to go. Yeah,我可以。我可以。我可以。我可以。我可以。我可以。我可以。我可以。我可以。我可以。我可以。我可以。我可以。我可以。我可以。我可以。我可以。我可以。我可以。我可以。我可以。我可以。我可以。我可以
Socrates is on his way back to Beantown, and tomorrow, all the little beans will be happy when they get on board. 
That's a good. That's a good. Yeah. So, any comments on that? In your own lives, what do you think, Joni? Use your being, trust your heart, follow your passion. Yes, 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 yes and yes. Yeah, I, I mean, like too many times I think we, over, and especially in education, we we concentrate on the, the number one thing, which is use your being, and a lot of uh, training and education isn't at all centered on the other two very important parts of yourself. Right. You know, what do you think, Rhonda? I, I, think that's a great, I did teach, yeah, for a long time. I do think that's a really, really important thing that, that the kids learn to use their beans and, and, and follow their hearts. I know it's not as easy at this point in education because, they, you know, there's so many educational standards that, that the educational system's changed a little bit. However, that doesn't mean kids can't use their hearts and their imaginations and fulfill their passions. In, other, in many other ways at home. That's why, you know, just encouraging kids not only to read but to write. When, um, I guess when my kids were little and, the, and my students, if they would draw pictures, then I would always write underneath what the picture was about, and then they would associate the words with their talk. So their talk was written down, and it really helped the kids, you know, learn how to, to read. My little grandson, um, we, I did that with him with a lot of different stories, and now at six years old, he's writing and illustrating his own stories. So he's. Hey. <laughs> I know it's so exciting. We got one for Christmas. So there you go, Ryan Pagler. You did a great job. <laughs> yeah, Wonderful. They, they need to do that. Yes, absolutely. So Taylor, you're still in school. What do you think about that uh, idea that use your being, but trust your heart? Use your heart, use your gut, use your instincts, use your, and go follow your passion. What do you think about that as a student? I think it's actually very true. I, you know, some people just, you know, do what their parents want them to do or, you know, just want to be, you know, do the bare minimum. But I think, you know, if you actually follow what you really want to do, I think you can actually make it happen. Yeah. Joni, you've done that. What's that? You've done that. You've 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 finally reached your voice and your passion. Well, it's ongoing. I mean, I've reached part of it, and I am still exploring more. And um, you know, I, for many years, I've mainly sung for children and their families. And now I do want to do more that's directed towards adults because I think that um, adults don't sing so much anymore and um, and I think singing is healing and um, very important and I you know I think the way to encourage people to find their voice is to give them a voice um, and you know let them let them play around with that if they aren't well, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because we found <laughs> Enzo and I love to find and explore new ways of music, hearing music and new ideas. And um, we all know John Lithgow from three, uh, Third Planet from the Sun. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, he did, did you know that he's a, also a singer? Yes, he's put out some singing books lately, right? Yeah, singing books, and he's there's a, he's expressing himself in so many ways, and and uh, I love this one. I think it, we're going to play this. This is just a, a fabulous song, and I think has to do with um, way song and music and expressing yourself 
uh, can be done in a in a very lighthearted way. Here we go. I know a fat old policeman. He's always on our street. A fat and jolly red-faced man. He really is a treat. He's too kind for policemen. He's never known to frown. They say he is the happiest man in all of London town. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Great. So fun. Well, uh, 
he uh, <laughs> talk about how he's incorporated a story. This is another great thing. Um, well, let's just do it. It'll explain itself. Here we go. I wake in the sewer. It's a very hard job. You know they won't hire just any old slap. You don't have to wear a tie or a coat. You just have to know how to float. shirts 
and then try, and selling them with the intention that you wanted to help, you know, the the the, the cause at Sandy Hook. Well, how did that come to you? Where did you, where did that rise in your gut and your passion? I you know after it had happened, you know, I watched it on the news and everything like that, and. You know, I knew I wanted to make something, but I knew I couldn't make something big. So I wanted to do just something small, but, you know, still, you know, make a big impact. I wanted to spread the word about, you know, you know, gun use and, you know, what you what happens, you know, to kind of make aware that, you know, lives are lost with guns and that we should, you know, not forget the event. So I thought T-shirts are probably the best way. Good idea. Great idea. And how? Yeah, describe you know, your T-shirt, Taylor. Go ahead. Yes, yeah, describe the they, they are green, and you know they're green and white because those are the you know Sandy Hook school colors. Um, and then on the back there are three beatitudes. Uh, one of them is blessed are they, the pure of heart, for they shall see God, and that is for the students, teachers, and victims. The uh, second one is blessed are they full of sorrow for they shall be er, for they shall be consoled and that is for the families and blessed are they who seek peace they are children of God is for the rest of us. Wonderful, nice stuff. And then on the on and, the uh, side, R- Rhonda, you said you 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 could actually hear a vo- and I always talk about that on the show that you know the reason that I. Uh, at 13, uh, just received a brand new bicycle, and here I am now with only one leg. And the first question mm-hmm. I ask the doctor is, "Will I be able to ride the bicycle again?" And he gives me an emphatic Harvard-trained Mass General Hospital emphatic impossible. Impossible. And I had no. I know, huh? And, uh, and you have, I had two major obstacles. First thing is at the age of 13, most people were putting their bicycles away because it wasn't cool, because this was the 50s, and the cool thing were cars. And so I didn't even have people riding a bicycle past the age of 13, really, much longer. And the second thing was there was no, no uh, person with one leg, an amputee, or anybody disabled doing anything like that in those days because what the normal situation was, you know, just kind of hide, hide people like me. Mm-hmm. And um, so I had to go out into the unknown. I, I had nothing. I couldn't have, I didn't have a point or something to say, oh, I can do that. I can see somebody doing that. I can do it. So that took a lot of guts. And, you know, but I heard the turning point was the day that I actually heard, I got on the bicycle and what was happening up until that point, people were coming in, removing me from the bicycle, which I kind of had a love-hate thing with. I was afraid to ride because he told me if I fell the wrong way, I would really hurt myself and probably die. <laughs> so I was kind of glad people would take me off and I didn't have to prove it. But the one day that nobody came, I had nothing but my voice, and it, the voice came to me and very clearly in a way that Rhonda and I talked about earlier this week that totally made sense to me. When that voice comes, and that, in fact, that's the reason there's a radio show today, because the same voice told me to do a children's radio show. When that voice came, it was a reassuring ride the bike, and I took the chance, and then I did it. So... You, you know, I mean, is, what did you, what gave you the inspiration, Taylor? I mean, what? Uh, how did it come to what you? What is on the front a, of the T-shirt? I don't know what gave me the inspiration. I really, you know, just 
just just wanted to do something to, you know, impact what had happened. I wanted to show my support for those people who didn't want, you know, family members and kids and whatnot, especially around, you know, the Christmas season. So. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, Tell them what's on the front of the T-shirt, Taylor. Okay, Taylor. on the front it says Sandy Hook Elementary, and then in the middle between that and the date of when it happened, I have a uh, teacher with wings, so more like an angel with a uh, student with a little backpack on, and they're holding hands. Oh, how nice. Aww. Wow, wonderful. It so beautiful. Endearing. It is so endearing. Mm. Wonderful. Wow. That's great. Uh, yeah, so you know, Taylor, I th- well, go ahead. I said, so Taylor's school collected, how much did you collect, $1,500, and you sent it up to Sandy Hook? Yeah, the it element? was like, yeah, 1500 or 2000 I believe, around oh. in there. And they sent it up Wonderful. to the uh, Sandy Hook Library. So it was just a little love from both, both of us have been send, sending some love up there. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. And, you know, How, but, and the thing is, it doesn't it feel great when you do something for someone else? Oh, it does. Absolutely. It feels good. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, and I wanted yeah. I wanted to tell you that Ratna and I, um, we both, uh, I think, there was a lot of inspiration with our little three little gnomes book, and a boy named Orion because um, at the very end of the book she had a little idea about Orion taking pictures um, of the three little gnomes, and that's exactly how they start. So it just brought it the whole way around. Um, you know, to the end of the story. But she would tell me she had little ideas tinkling around in her head. Right, Ratna? Yeah. <laughs> That's right. We're, you know, we're magical beings. I mean, gnomes are magical beings, but humans, I don't think we really understand. And a lot of a lot of things, we, we always point to things that are kind of negative about people and, you know, the, and trying to, um, you know, maybe concentrate too much on achieving and success in ways that other people think are uh, successful measures of what a person does. But we're really, when, you, when we start tapping into creativity and you start writing, you start painting and you start creating music and singing, then you start to really start to find things that almost take care of everything by themselves. Yep. That's yep. very true. <laughs> and it's fun. And it's fun. It's exactly fun. You know, and listen, because we're talking about gardens today in spring, let's do another um, John Lithgow song. Here we go. This is something. This is truly spring. Here we go. Some people talk to each other while others talk to their cats. Some people talk to their mothers, while others talk through their hats. I communicate with nature, with a plant, a leaf, a tree, and I'm always nice to a flower, for they're absolutely perfect to me. I always say hello to a flower. Hello, hello, hello. I totally ignore the crashing boar who lives next door for his conversations, silly. Yet I never snub a lily. I always say bonjour to a lilac. Bonjour, bonjour, bonjour. I'm absolutely mute with a bully in a suit. And I never talk to fruit 
Heaven knows. But I always say hello to a rose. Yes, I always wave at a window box. If the box is filled with hollyhocks, and I speak to the daisies, I think they're swell. Tell your secrets to a daisy. She'll never tell. I always say hello to a snowball. Hello! Hello there! Hello! Look sideways at a stranger, and you put your life in danger. But one can kiss a sweet bouquet a blushing bride has tossed away. Flowers are the sweetest things I know. So when I see a flower, I say hello. I never shrink away from a violet. Oh, no. No. I say hello. I may be off my rocker, but I never pet a cocker. Yet the dogwood in the park will never, ever bark. I'm always glad to see a gladiola. I'm just mad. I'm glad. Flowers are refined and polite. You know, I've never seen a pansy fight. Yes, I talk to bees and I talk to birds, but they leave me quite at a loss for words. And I never touch a cat while it sleeps on a pillow, but I positively trust a pussy will. I always say hello to a flower. <laughs> Get friendly with a mouse, and he'll hang around your house. But flowers never overstay. They stay a day, then fade away. Flowers are the sweetest things I know. So when I see a flower, I say, hello. <laughs> That was that was really well, funny. What was the title of that one? Certainly a song for springtime. What was the Go title ahead. of that one? Uh, uh, I always say hello to a flower. Oh, I, I love, love that. that. Yes, me oh, too. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. brilliant. <laughs> well, I'm going to look Sin? for that one. Uh, I'll bet you everybody's going to record this song. <laughs> That's really funny. I bet you he's a tree hugger too. Yes, and I always say, what was the one I say? Uh, uh, I say, I'm glad to get glad, uh, uh, something about glads. Uh, oh, I was always glad to see a glad. <laughs> yeah. I like uh, how he, he never says hello to a bully in a suit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, need, I need to get off the phone, you guys. I'm so sorry. I have to get going. No worries. We had a blast having you here. Thank and, you so uh, much. So much. And the music is beautiful. Thank, thank you. you. And I'm going to look for your book, Rhonda, and, and I'm sure there are things we can do together with music and oh. stories. And Would that be fun? Yeah. But let me give yeah. you my website. Can I give you my website? Because I yeah. have a chance to say. All right. It's www.com. It's, yep. You can uh, Grammy G R A M M Y tags 
P as in Paul, A as in Apple, G as in Girl, S, P, Grammy Pags, uh-huh. Stories. Stories. dot com. Okay. And if that well, one Rafa, yeah, do that you want to give us? Do you want to give us yours? Did we lose Ratna? Hi. Why don't you, well, you, you, okay, go ahead. You're, how do we get in touch with you, Ratna? Uh, I have a blog. Uh, it's uh, drawing of mine. Okay. D-R-A-W, drawing, drawing of mine, I-N-D, Okay, Rhonda, is that drawings of, of mine? Um, I think so. Let me let me just double check. I'll check on the computer here. <laughs> Hold on. Um, okay. I was going to say the other one for me it would be www.rondapagliaauthor.com. Paglia, P-A-G-L-I-A? Correct, yes. Okay, so rondapagliaauthor.com. That's it. You got it. Okay. I'm going to go to Rhonda's Terrific. Well, listen, folks, we're going to close the show out, and it's been an absolute, absolute blast. And one of the, uh, yeah, and uh, just uh, every week we get totally surprised by the the connections we're able to make all around uh, around the world because it's just amazing people. And so, and we're going to sign, this is my favorite way to sign off the show. Uh, Joni Leeds does this great thing about the bandwagon, and not only are we Beantown, but we've got a great bandwagon going here. Everybody jumps on every week. So uh, thank you so much, and um, have a beautiful weekend the rest of the weekend, and happy Mother's Day to all you mothers. Oh, yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Tom, for doing this. This is a great idea. I'm so glad you had that voice telling you to do this. And bye, Maestro. So. <laughs> is he still there? Okay, I do want to give a shout-out to Kid Literature Authors. People need to check them, too, because they're really good at putting, pulling a lot of the good kids' authors together and writers. So, but thank and you, And that's on Tom. Google. Yeah, yes. that's on Google, Kids, kids Literature is. Authors. Great. Yeah, yeah, okay, everybody, yeah. get on the bandwagon, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you so thank much you for joining us. Thank, thank you. Um, bye. Take care. Bye. One. one, two, three. Get up, get on the bandwagon. Just get up, get up on it. Get up, get on the bandwagon. Just get up, get up on it. Get up, get on the bandwagon. Just get up, get up on it. Well, I brought my voice today. Just get up, get up on it. Well, I'm gonna make some noise.